Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. So we've been talking through um, the pattern of, of, uh, of, well, today's topic is the pattern of biblical miracles. That's what I'm going to be talking about. But we've been going over um, a series called We Build Together, which is, um, we're week three now. And uh, who's been enjoying it so far? I've been just so enjoying being a part of the, uh, of the connect groups and hearing some of the discussions and seeing what God is doing in people's lives and moving forward in this area as we, as we build together. So week one... Okay, week one. Um, who, who can remember what week one was about? It was where, where, we, where we talked about the answer to our problems starts with our surrender to God. The answer to our problems starts with our surrender to God. Often we look at our problems and we go, God, get me out of my problem. Who's prayed that before? God, get me out of my problem. And God is like, no, I put you there. I put that problem there so that you will grow in your faith so that you will grow in your faith in me. And he's like, why are you trying to get out of that problem when I'm right here with you? You get out of this problem, you won't have me with you. Because I'm here with you. Right? So it starts with that realization and surrendering to him. Because you'll find that throughout the Bible, there's always this pattern of problems. And the problem sometimes with with preaching and the church and sometimes religious thought is, is religion takes us out of our problems, right? We come to the Lord because we want Him to take, us, take Him out of our problems. He doesn't want to take you out. He wants to take you through your problems. Think of that, the, the lyrics to that song we were just singing that the, I believe that the, the, the oceans will part at the name when the, when the, when the Israelites are reflecting upon... The, the record of the Israelites leaving Egypt in the Bible, right, in Scripture, where, where the, they, they got a problem. They've got a problem. They've got an army chasing them. What did God do? Did He take them out of that problem? No, He took them through it. He took them right in the middle of the sea, opened the water before them, took them into a miracle. Amen? The answer to our problem starts with our surrender to God. And then week two, to hear God's voice, you hear God's voice? Who wants to hear the voice of God? Well, to hear God's voice, you've got you to make a decision to do one thing. You've got to make a decision. You've got to be predisposed to obey Him. There's no use hearing God's voice if you're not going to do what He asks you to do. And the thing about God and the Holy Spirit, He's, uh, he's waiting on you to make that decision. He's, an, he's a gentleman. He's not, a, he's not forceful. He's not going to be like, hey, I'm here in your world. Just do what I say. He's going to say, this is what you need to do. But often we're like, no, God, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And God's like, okay, you go and have what you want. And then I'll be here waiting for you for when what you need happens will be in me. When you're ready to realize that I am the answer to your issues and I'm talking to you. We have to be predisposed to obedience. And we, we talked about, I don't know if you remember, we, where Romans 12, it talks about us becoming a living sacrifice 
a living sacrifice. But the problem with the living sacrifice, what's the problem with the living sacrifice? It climbs off the altar. Right? When we put ourselves on the altar, we're like, I can do this, I can do that. And God's like, no, I'm trying to clean you up. I'm trying to clean your mess up and make you better. Just keep still on the altar. Just stay there. Stay there. Right? To hear God's voice, be predisposed to obedience. Just, just make a decision now. You know what? Whatever He calls me to, whatever He asks me to do, I, I'm going to do that. It'll be the scariest moment of your life. I remember praying this when I was a young guy at a youth conference. God, wherever you call me, I'll go. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Man. And here I am in Mumbai. Foreigner in Mumbai. But I'm so glad I listened. I'm so glad he called me here. I wouldn't have it any other way. But it was the scariest thing of my life. Living sacrifice. Put yourself on the altar. So, so we've been talking about this pattern that's throughout the Bible. And this pattern goes like this. Problem, surrender, stretch, provision. Problem, surrender, stretch, provision. So we find a problem and we think, oh, I've got problems. I need to pray that my problem goes away. Problem doesn't go away. What do we do? We surrender to God. As we surrender, He will take us into a place where we will be stretching. That's the moment of faith. That's the moment where we see a gap in front of us and go, I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going from here to there. But I'm just going to obey God. I'm going to go in and stretch. And in the stretch, we find God's provision. And a lot of people, they miss out on the things of God. They miss out on God's will for their life because they don't start with surrender. They see the problem and they just they constantly get me out of the problem. No, no, no. Stretch. Surrender. Surrender to Him. And you'll find He will provide. Amen? So we're going to read from John chapter 6 today. Okay? John chapter 6. This is a story. One of the stories of the record of Christ and what He did and the miracles. But this is a miracle that He did. And... and uh, I just want to, I want to talk through this story. I think it's important for us to realize that there is a pattern for miracles. Now, I'm not saying there's a formula, but what we can do is we can look at the Bible and go, okay, how did these miracles happen with Christ? How did they come about? And one of these, it's very clear, like laid out in, in how Jesus worked. Okay, let's, let's read it. Okay, let's read it. John chapter 6. Verse 1, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said, Philip, he said to Philip, okay, listen, this is important. Where, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Okay, he's asked Philip, right? He asked this only to test him, for he had already 
for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Okay? Half a year's wages, just for one bite. So there's a lot of people here, Jesus, is what he's saying, right? Another one of his disciples, Andrews, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. said, well, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many? Now, I don't know if he's being sarcastic, if he's trying to crack a joke. Okay, so verse 10. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So back then they were a bit... um, uh, That word, they only counted the men. I don't know why. So there would have been children there. There would have been wives as well. So you're probably talking, you know, if there was 5,000 men and all their wives were there, there's 5,000 women as well. And if they have one or two kids there. So there's probably 20,000 people here. Okay? There's a lot of people. Probably, maybe, more or less... So, you know, there's, there's between fifteen to 20,000 people there. So Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Let's just read that again. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Once he started breaking that bread, it just didn't end. Okay? He did the same with the fish. I'm thinking salmon. I like salmon. Starts breaking up that salmon. There's more salmon. Salmon's so expensive. But yet, in Jesus' hands, it's just salmon coming out. Okay? When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that, they, that are left over. Noth- let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who, who had eaten. Amen? Let's talk about this for a moment. Let's look at the pattern here. First thing that Jesus does is he asks in verse 5, Philip. He says, Philip, what are we going to do? Now look at this pattern again. There's a problem. All these people are following, following Jesus around so much that they've forgotten to have lunch. Because Jesus is doing something cool. He's doing something amazing. He's miracles left, right and center. I mean, God is moving. So these people, are, and there's thousands of them. So Jesus, I mean, this is before the internet. This is before, obviously, this is before all of that stuff. But Jesus had gone viral in his town where he was. Right? He was out there. I mean, people were, they didn't follow like artificially back then. They literally, actually, you'd look behind you and be like, oh, I've got a lot of followers, you know? (laughs) These people are hungry. And the first thing I want to, I just, this is so cool. Jesus could have told them to go home. Okay, everybody go home, come back tomorrow, go and have something to eat. But no, Jesus has compassion on them. He wants to feed them. But he asks Philip, he asks Philip, he says, Philip, what are we going to do? It's a problem. Isn't it interesting? There's a problem. Now, Philip's analytical, right? Philip's like most of us. We see a problem, we're like, yeah, that's, that is a problem. 
right? I mean, there's Philip's like, yes, Jesus, there is a problem. And Jesus is like, yes, I know. And for us, as we walk with the Lord, we as a church, like individually and corporately, Jesus takes us to a place where he goes, so what are we going to do? And we, we expect things to just start happening. But you know what? Jesus wants to bring you in to the miracle. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about the fact that rent in this, this room is so expensive? What are we going to do about the fact that for us to move forward as a church, we've got to continue to take ground in this city? What are we going to do about that? Jesus, it's like we want Jesus just to kind of make it happen in front of us. But, but Jesus is like asking you and I. He's leaving it up to us, right? What are we going to do? So then we come to this little boy. This little boy. I think this little boy is probably about to have the best day of his life ever. Which he probably still talked about on his deathbed. I mean, this day, and what I love about this story is God uses an industrious little entrepreneur. It's really cool. Here's a little kid who sees an opportunity. And I just love this because this is like a side note. In, in the church, let's just talk about the church. Sometimes we feel bad about being industrious and making money. But here we see an example of a young man who is being industrious, coming into an incredible blessing, where Jesus uses him. He doesn't use Mr. Holy sitting next to him, his disciples. He uses this little kid. There's been a, I mean, there's been too much talk within the church of... Oh, you know, it's wrong to make money. It's wrong to be industrious. Oh, you better be careful. You know, you better. That's not really God's work. God's work is to be a pastor like Pastor Ryan, you know. That's, that's really. No, no, no. God will use you where you are. I don't, I don't know if you know this. God's going to use you and He will bless you where you are. This is rubbish about God wanting you to be poor. It's just rubbish. It's rubbish. You have to understand something. The people that got saved initially out of the ministry that Jesus had, most of them were Jews, a lot of Gentiles as well. Can I just say something about the Jews? They weren't poor. This religion of Christianity that, that we, we, we now believe in started out actually amongst an elite people group. I don't know if you realize this, but if you do your studies and look back, it wasn't the poor who were rich first, it was the rich. Do your own study. Because God wants to bless through. You understand? And what He does with those wealthy people is He brings them into generosity. He brings them into a place where they become generous. And, and there's a scripture, there's an Old Testament scripture that says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. 
Because all of a sudden, they've got the Spirit of God inside of them. They've got the law written on their hearts. And their finances that they have, they realize it's not their finance, but God's finance. And they realize that they are accountable to Him for what they have been given. And they begin to work in to their lives the will of God, even in their spending and what they do. So they become generous. How do you think this whole thing about Christ spread from country to country, all over, so fast. It's because of the influence of the people that became believers. You go and make money, you go and be industrious, but do one thing for me, submit it to the Lord. It's His money, it's not yours. You are a steward of God's blessing. We are stewards of what God brings in. It's not ours. I mean, we, we, with, with God, we kind of... We, we, one thing that people get wrong with money sometimes, and, and this will, if this ever happens, I struggle with this some too, sometimes too, but have you ever tried to take a dog bowl away from a dog when it's feeding? What does that dog do? It's like even the friendliest dog in the world, doesn't matter who that dog is. You know, sometimes we forget that our dogs are dogs and not humans, right? Well, that's one of those moments where you realize, oh, it's an animal, okay, and you just don't take its food away when it's eating, because you might get a little, it's mine, right? But sometimes we're like that, right, with our money, with, the God's, with God's blessing, and our words like, no, nah, that's all mine, don't you touch it, how dare you touch about that, and how dare you talk about that, and it's like, Rah! right? God's like, no, I gave you all of that, I gave you the, I, I put you in that position, I mean, I put the like the, the breath in your lungs that you're breathing while you're making that money. You think that money just come from you? I put you in that circle of influence. I, 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 I made sure you were born into that family so that you could have dot, dot, dot. I made sure, I made sure. It's all, it's all God's will. We're just stewards. Amen. Right? So what should we do? Philip answers him. Great answer. Well, it's going to take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite, Jesus. I don't know what the heck you're talking about, but like, why are you even asking this? Like, there's a lot of people here. Just send them home. Okay. Another one, Andrew, he's it's like, well, <laughs> there's a little kid there. <laughs> oh, you, oh, what's Jesus doing? He's, I was just joking about that kid, Jesus. I don't mean you could, it's like, bring the kid to me. Bring the kid to me. I want you to hear this. Behind me, there's going to be a cricket ball. You know, this, this cricket ball in my hands. And this ball will kind of get over there. It might be somewhere on its way to the wickets, but maybe a little bit off to the right because I, cross, I always cross over. I just always forget that you got to... I always cross over like that because it just feels better. Right? It gets over there. But it ain't that great. It's fun. But you put this ball in this gentleman's hands and something happens. You put this ball in Anil's hands and uh, you might just win. I know he's not playing, but you might just win the World Cup. Because this guy can... There's something that happens when the ball's in his hands. I mean, he, wherever he wants it to go, it hits exactly that spot, and he does that googly, 
And whoever's standing there is like, oh, how did that happen? Right? I want you to hear this. Jesus asks for this little boy's offering. Five loaves, five fish. In that little boy's hands, it's five loaves and five fish. But in Jesus' hands, it's 20,000 loaves. It's 20,000 fish, and there was some left over. What's in your hands right now is what it is. But if you begin to believe and say, you know what, I'm going to put it in God's hands, that's where the miracles are. You've got to hear this. A lot of people miss this about the Bible and the miracles in the Bible. He wants you to be a part of the miracle. He wants to bring you into it. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to experience what it is when God moves in a way that you've never thought He could. And I tell you something, He's going to move like this over C3 Mumbai. But we have to move into it. This is why we are taking up an offering. Not now, but on that night, for we build together, we're taking up an offering. Because we're getting what's in our hands into His hands and we're going to see what He can do. Amen? We're going to see what He can do together. Now, I want you to see this as well. There's another part to this where it's like God brings together some people. There's a problem. Then there's a moment where these people all see the problem and Him in the middle of it all, He brings a solution. And that's the same as what he's doing for us as a church. We can all be that little boy. We can all be that one that stands up and says, no, I'm trusting you, Lord. Whatever I give over and above my tithe, I'm giving in to this offering. Because when it's in your hands, you can do a miracle. And you can apply this. You don't have to give a cent to that offering. We, We take up it. We build together. But you can... You can apply this into your world. Maybe some of us need to just put our lives in His hands. In His hands, let me tell you something. Your life will be different. In your hands, your life will be your choices. But in His hands, your life will be His will. And this is the God who created the universe. Let me tell you something. If He can speak the universe into being. He can speak your world into order. That's what He does. He brings order where there's chaos. He brings hope where there's emptiness. He brings life, puts things in place when they're out. Because in His hands is where the miracle is. Not in our hands. But he is waiting for us to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I am a living sacrifice. I'm yours. I'm yours. And then he begins to move. The wheels start turning. It's all throughout the Bible, time and time and time and time again. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. 
For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.